Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. Bears are minus three, plus three underdogs right now. My guest might have something to say about that today, but you can get that wager in at betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. It's football week, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm usually having Chi Town buddies, and we're talking Chi Town sports, but week one, Bears versus Lions. So I got to bring back on one of my dearest old friends, one of my podcast partners, Lions expert, Spectrum Sports Nets, very own Gunnar Ludwig. Back on the pod, my friend. How are you? And how weird is it that the Lions and Bears are playing September 1? Week one. It's just weird. Usually it's so much later in the season. I know football's coming back, Joey. I don't know if I'm fully ready for it. It feels weird to have football coming back when LA is melting at 110 degrees and we're watching NBA playoffs. But here we are. NHL's in full swing right now. Baseball's just trying to figure out who it is. It's a crazy weird time. But yeah, NFL Sunday football is back. Unfortunately, we're not going to be watching it together. We're going to be watching it via Zoom with each other. But Bears versus Lions. About to lock horns at Ford Field, so want to get your perspective on this Detroit offseason. A lot going on, you know, overhauled the defense, drafted yourself a running back. You got a gentleman named Matthew Stafford coming back. Hopefully he's going to be healthy. A lot of pundits around America have got the Lions as a dark horse that can possibly win the NFC North. Just off the top, what do you see? What are your expectations for this team heading into 2020? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like this team since Patricia and Quinn have kind of be able to, been able to recraft the roster pretty much position for position uh, to their liking over the last few years. Um, but, but that would also entail having faith in Patricia and Quinn. So, um, you, know, you know, my feelings about those two, particularly Matt Patricia, I've never been too high on. And in 30 plus years of being a Lions fan, um, I've just found it much more mentally healthy to never buy the hype. So um, I'm look, I'm, I'm, I'm going in with hope, not necessarily optimism, as I do most Lions seasons. Um, there will be some times when I get um, stubbornly overly optimistic at moments, but um, and I'll take the wins for what they are and decide to be happy for that week. Um, but 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 yeah, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, Joe, until I, I see otherwise, I, I'm going to expect another Lions team. Um, a few impressive wins, but but more more so a lot of disappointment and somewhere around 5 and 11 or 6 and 10. And this is something that Bears fans and Lions fans, I think, can share, where we play that mantra, we play that phrase over in our heads, this year's going to be different. Yeah. Look at who we signed. We were active at the free agent frenzy. We're all over NFL Network right now. People are talking about our team. And then when it gets there and they start actually playing the games, you know, the jury is typically definitely out. Let's just maybe start with the defense. You know, caught a lot of headlines, a lot of signings, a lot of expatriates, a lot of you know, continuously reshaping of that defensive core. Do you think that they're going to take a step closer to 
you know, let's be honest, the Indomitian Sioux defenses of, what, six, seven years ago were actual legit premier defenses. Do they take a step closer to that this year? Or, I mean, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a big gap to pretty much cover based on what happened last year with this Lions defense to this year. What kind of improvement are you looking for? Um, a lot. I mean, you know, again, if, if Matt Patricia is anything close to a defensive genius and Bob Quinn knows anything about building an NFL team, they should be a playoff team this year. There's no real excuse and there's no way around that. Um, you know, they've been given a lot of chances. And, and, um, and again, I mean, they, they have reworked this entire defensive roster, traded some really good players over the last few years with Darius Slay and, and Quandre Diggs. So, um, you know, th this is what they were looking for. This is what they aimed at with the Patriot way. They brought in Jamie Collins, who I do, do really like. Um, Trey Flowers last year, who I like, but maybe not as much as the contract they gave him. Um, you know, a, a lot of really solid players on defense, not necessarily one game-breaking player, you know. Or um, uh, I know Slay was injured a lot last year, but I don't think they have one difference maker to the level of a Darius Slay or a Ndamukong Sue when they had him in 2014. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, they couldn't get after the quarterback at all last year. Um, dead last in pass defense, 30th in sacks. Um, those are where I really look for them to be improving. I, I know the run defense wasn't great, but I think that would be better if those other things got into shape. Um, you know, obviously, you know, they have the rookie cornerback, Okuda. That's not a position that tends to explode right away, but I still like the pick as far as the long term. Uh, secondary is the only place on the defense that I'm wonder I don't necessarily think is better. Um, you know, but, but um, I, I actually think the secondary when healthy in recent years was pretty solid. It was the, the terrible pass rush that made them look worse than they were. Um, so it's really the pass rush and being able to get after the quarterback, which they could not do at all the last few years. That, that's what I'm hoping they can do in some capacity this year. It's going to be more of an association thing than a one guy getting 15 sacks thing. Um, you know, yeah, the lack of sacks really hurts, right? You kind of look at the numbers, and they allowed the second most yards to wide receivers last year, third most receptions. But, you know, the completion percentage on those receptions, you know, wasn't really that great. It was actually one of the better in the league. So it just seems like the quarterbacks have a lot of time back there in the pocket to throw the football, you know, tons of yards being soaked up that way, even if they are playing their best defense possible after five or six seconds. It's really hard to cover a guy, especially in the NFL. And I kind of want to ask you, you know, losing Darius Slay, banged up last year, gets a lot of national buzz, a lot of headlines, is one of the best at his position. Were you looking forward to Akuda and Slay kind of combining to have these shutdown corners? Are you sort of at peace with the fact that, you know, Slay, were you going to pay him the money? He was already disgruntled, kind of maybe had to move on from him. You know, what's, what's your take on Darius Slay not being on the team? Are, are you upset or do you think, you know, the time had maybe had come to move on? You know, you can make a case for both. I personally am upset. I mean, he was disgruntled because they made him feel like they didn't want him for the entire two years that Patricia was there. So you can't blame a player for just being disgruntled when they show no interest in signing him long term when he's one of the best at his position in the league. And it's like one of those I can't relationships. Yeah, one of those relationships there where you're like, well, why did he leave? Well, it's oh, he was treated like shit. And you're like, yeah, oh, you can't. You can't blame your girlfriend for breaking up with you if you treat her like crap. I mean, you know, so, you know, you're not the victim anymore. So, you know, no, I mean, again, and, and for all the Lions fans that take uh, Matt Patricia's side on that, I mean, you know, Darius Slay has been one of the best cornerbacks in the league for the last three or four years. Matt Patricia has shown nothing to show that, that we should trust him at, at what he does more than Slay at what he does. So, 
you know, I'm, I, I've been on Slay's side of, of that uh, drama from day one. And now he got a huge contract for a defensive player, for a cornerback that doesn't always work out. But at the same time, he also went to a team that makes a lot smarter moves than the Lions did. So um, we'll see how that works out for them. I'm, I'm rooting for him. I think he's a great player. And I don't really think that there was as much, again, attitude problems or, or being a bad teammate there as much as just him getting sick of seeing his close friends and other good teammates get traded for bad draft picks the last few years, like, you know, Quandre Diggs and Golden Tate, and, and a coach that get, kept feeling like he was giving up on his team that basically showed no interest in trying to keep their best defensive player and really the best player on the Lions over the last three or four years other than maybe Matt Stafford. Well, let's get in on it right now. Let's get it on record before this season starts because the Bears are in not quite a similar situation, but not too far away with Matt Nagy where – I won't say that it's Matt Nagy's last shot, but the pressure is definitely on. There is definitely a situation and a roadmap where if this team goes down the tubes, if they can't figure out the quarterback position, if they fail to score 20 points a game again this season, you know, the, the Bears could be looking for a new coach. Let's swing it over to the Motor City. Is this Matt Patricia's last shot, and do you think that he'll be able to survive the season? I, you know, if I was running the team, I, I don't know if he would be able to survive a week. So, you know, well, I don't think he should have fair, survived last season. Uh, yeah, yeah. To believe, to believe in betting Chicago fans, you know, me and Gunnar, we've done many podcasts together over the years, and I believe it was, it was you. You were right on top of it. I think maybe the second or third week after he was hired, he had a little bit of that controversy. Um, you know, we didn't. It was, don't it, even, was, it was before the season started. Right, and it was, uh, it, it was definitely even before the Me Too era and even resonates more now that people are actually shining a light on what is wrong with how men treat women in certain situations and positions of authority in his situation in college. Maybe we don't need to get into the details of it, but you wanted to fire him right off the bat. And, you know, so you're on the record there right now. And, and Well, correction, I, I, I believe I just didn't want to hire him. And, and in terms of firing him for what they dug up, um, you know, it was kind of hard to deduce what the real details were. It certainly did not look good for him. I just thought that based on the NFL's track record, despite the fact that he's a coach and not a player, he should have gotten suspended. Um, you know, uh, uh, I don't think he should have been hired in the first place. So I don't know if you fire a guy before the season starts, if you think he's a good hire. Um, I just don't know why they ever thought that other than the fact, other than his proximity to Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, well, his defenses gave up 35 points in Super Bowl games, and Tom Brady bailed them out time after time. So um, I don't know what made anyone think he was a good hire other than his proximity to those two guys and his tough guy, gritty beard, and big gut. Um, you know, I, look, I, I've, I've also been on record for saying that if not only if Matt Patricia was never right next to Pat, Patricia, uh, I'm sorry, if Matt Patricia was never right next to Belichick and Brady, he wouldn't have gotten hired. He would have been fired by now if he simply just looked like a nerd. Yeah, if he was on the Browns right now, I think he probably would have gone through a couple different jobs. So, I mean, I, honestly, let me rephrase. What do you think it will take for Patricia to keep his job this year? What kind of record? What, what would you need to see? Would you, is it playoffs or bust for you? Is it 8-8? Eight and eight? What, would keep, what would keep Matt Patricia the head coach of the Lions? I mean, if they don't go at least 8-8, eight and eight, I don't see how you can even justify it. But this is a franchise that has a history – of convincing themselves their coaches and GMs are a lot better than they are. So, um, you know, hopefully that's not the case here. Um, I don't know how you can possibly justify firing Jim Caldwell after three out of four winning seasons 
two of which they went to the playoffs. Even his last season when they didn't make the playoffs, they were 9-7, and seven, had a disappointing loss at the end of the season to knock them out. But compared to anything Matt Patricia did, you know, I would take that in a heartbeat. So I understand moving on from Caldwell because it kind of felt like they couldn't take the next leap. I would have been okay with keeping him, to be honest, but I, I certainly don't understand how you can convince yourself that, that you should stick with this if that wasn't good enough for you. So the heat is on with the coaching staff. Let's switch it over to the offense, something that I think you can probably say that you're a little excited about. You know, Matt Stafford has been your quarterback for over a decade now, or just about a decade, I should say. Fractured back last season, that is an injury that honestly not only just scares the normal human being, but probably should scare any athlete that's out there. It seems like he's healthy and he's ready to go. Uh, Excited to see your boy back on the field, and what do you expect from him? You know, I, I still think he's, I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's got um, plenty left in the tank. Um, and Matt, Matt Stafford is kind of what he is at this point. You know, I think when he's healthy and when he has a good offense around him, he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Um, you know, and like many other quarterbacks that aren't maybe Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers in their prime, when he doesn't have those things, he might look kind of bad. But, um, you know, I think he can perform like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL if he's healthy. And, and, and as for the injury, he's had a few earlier in his career that, that he, that people kind of thought would debilitate him. He bounced back and was an Iron Man for a long time after that. Um, I'm not too worried about, about his health holding up. Obviously anybody can get injured, but, but I don't necessarily see anything or I'm not reading anything to suggest that there's a major concern there. Um, again, anybody can get hurt, especially when you get hit as hard and, you know, you play as tough as he does. Um, but he is a very tough guy. I, I, th- I don't look, if the Lions do disappoint this season, I don't think it's going to be because of Matt Stafford. I expect the offense to be pretty good this year. And he's a little bit in that Tony Romo zone, right, where Tony Romo would come back healthy and you're like, man, if he takes one more hard hit, that is going to break his collarbone. And eventually that kind of ended his career. And I think all sports fans, whether, you know, if you're not a Lions fan or not, I think you want to see Matt Stafford go out there and be healthy. He was playing some of the best football that he ever had in his career last year. I mean, he was on pace for, what, 38 touchdowns, over 4,000 yards. His numbers in the fourth quarter were absolutely excellent. He destroyed the blitz last year. I think he threw eight touchdowns, no interceptions, had a QB rating of almost 125 against the blitz. You know, that's just the sign of a veteran quarterback that knows what to do with the football. And if he can come back, and let's not even say he plays lights out like that, but let's say he gets a little bit close, it's going to give you guys a shot this year. Out of all of his offensive weapons, which one are you most excited to watch? Um, well, you know, maybe most excited would be would be DeAndre Swift because he's a rookie with with a very high ceiling. But um, you know, the guy I have the most confidence in is easily Kenny Galladay. I, I think uh, a lot of people outside of Detroit don't realize how good he is. He's you know, when you see those good receivers on not great teams, you often kind of mark it up to garbage time and things like that. When you've seen him progress over the last few years, I think. Uh, Lions fans do realize this guy's a top 10 wide receiver in the league. And I think he's going to show it this year. I I think people are going to start to really realize how good he is. When he first came into the league, he was more of just a big, long guy that was thought of as just being a deep threat. Um, Over the last couple seasons, you've seen him kind of show the full package. He can go over the middle and take big hits. He can, he can pretty much run all the routes. You know, Um, I I do think Kenny Galladay was a big reason for uh, Stafford looking so good when he was healthy at the beginning of last season. And I think the connection between those two, as you know, Stafford has a history of really trying to get in a good repertoire with his, his number one targets. Um, he really likes this guy and he's going to throw to him. He, he's, you know, 
not, not nearly Kelvin Johnson, but has some similarities of kind of a poor man's Kelvin Johnson. A lot of the things that Stafford likes, big guy, deep threat, a lot of length, very powerful. Um, you know, uh, he can throw those rifles up the middle and, and Galladay can catch the ball and, and take a hit. And he can also uh, take the 50-50 balls away from, uh, you know, from defenders downfield. And, and those are throws that Stafford is not afraid to make to a guy he knows he can make the play. So uh, I think it's going to be a huge year for Galladay. But there's a lot of guys to be excited about this year. I think if TJ Hawkinson stays healthy, he's another guy I'm really excited um, to see if he can take another step this year. So, um, and, you know, I mentioned DeAndre Swift. You know, I like on Johnson as well if he can stay healthy. And, and the running back, the flurry of running backs is only going to help him. So, again, offensive weapons in general would, would probably be the thing that I'm, I feel best about this Lions team is Stafford and the offensive weapons around him. Yeah, it's a nice – I mean, you can go up and down the division. And, you know, Packers got Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Those are two prime prime guys, right? But in terms of the tight end, they have questions. Number two receiver, they have questions. Vikings, similar situation with number two wide receiver. The balance on the Detroit Lions might be the best collective offensive balance in the division. I'm willing to admit that. And going back to Galladay, dude, trust me, Bears fans, we know all about Kenny Galladay, man. Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones – Big physical receivers, like you said, they give our secondary absolute nightmares. That is going to be a huge matchup problem for us, specifically in this week one. And with Galladay, right, four games of 117 receiving yards or more with Stafford in the lineup last year during those eight games. I mean, Galladay was on pace to be, you know, a top two, top three receiver in fantasy, possibly, if Stafford was able to see on the field. And I get it, you know, you're projecting that out, but at the same time, a lot to hang your hat on. Um, I want to get back. Let's get back to the running back position, and then we're going to come back to the receivers for a second because I'm making you feel too good, Gunner. You're feeling <laughs> too good, so we got to go to yeah. the running back. You're only mentioning the few good things about the Lions, <laughs> which I like. Well, well we got the Patricia stuff. We got the Patricia slander out of the way early. We yeah, might we come did. back to that. <laughs> oh, there, there's going to be more jabs, my friend. We're going to go back to the Patricia jab buffet uh, and load I got up plenty. Play. I got plenty of them. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But let's talk about DeAndre Swift, a guy that you know I watch highlights of of him in college. And, man, this dude can pretty much do it all, right? I mean, the guy's got quick cut speed. He can hit him between tackles. He can catch passes out of the backfield. He really seems like that first, you know, Swiss Army knife running back, you know, that you guys have had in quite some time. You know, I'll be honest with you. I have um, a source that I will not name that is actually has a connection to a Lions situation. And the, what I have heard about Kerryon Johnson's knee is not good. Um, mm-hmm. Hence why uh, Adrian Peterson was signed in the first place. They think Kerryon Johnson's going to be a slow, slow move into the regular season. They're hoping that they can get him healthy and hoping that they can play him long enough. But I guess his knee situation is not in good shape. But let's talk about DeAndre Swift. You know, he missed a bunch of practices during training camp. They've been saying a lot. He's been getting eased back into practice over this last week or so. You know, uh, you know, big deal, little deal, no deal for a Lions fan. You know, with Swift, do you think he'll be on the field for a ton of snaps in week one, or do you think it might have to be a little more of a gradual process these first couple of weeks? Right. Based on kind of what I've seen and, and heard, um, it doesn't seem like the injury is very serious um, in terms of his his – his long-term outlook, but it has made them very cautious on him in camp and things like that. So I think that um, I do think they're going to ease him in. I don't think that necessarily means he's not physically ready to go, but I do think they're going to ease him in um, to getting accustomed to things, um, you know, and, and, you know, who knows what to think with the lions 
backfield week one, as you just told me, I, I didn't know that the outlook was that bad on carry on, but I know that he's had trouble staying on the field every, you know, his first two years of his career, regardless what his outlook is now. So, um, you know, before I heard that from you, I, I would have thought that carry on might be the good week one flyer in fantasy, so to speak. Um, I, I, I don't know if Adrian Peterson's going to be that ready to go. And yeah, what we'll do you see. expect from AP? You know, is he just blocking on third downs and hoping, you know, DeAndre Swift plays first down, second down? I mean, are we going to see this guy get some carries in between the tackles? Is he a red zone threat? You know, what, what do you think? Because I'll be honest with you, you know, we got David Montgomery on the shelf. We're not so sure about him week one. You know, Bears fans were also texting each other all weekend being like, should we pick up AP? What can we get out of the 35-year-old? So where do you stand on that? Yeah, I'm, I was very surprised by the signing. <laughs> yes. um, look, it, it seems like a no-risk signing, really, for the Lions. You know, they, they, didn't, I, they didn't pay him much. They're not giving up much risk to take him on. I mean, you know, if, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then he won't get the ball much, and maybe they'll let him go. But, um, you know, I, I will say for a lot of the, the Lions, uh, Lions brass and Lions fans on social media kind of chattering about him being a running backs coach and a mentor to these young guys, he didn't really embrace that role when he was on the Saints a few years ago. If you're not giving AP the damn ball, he's not a happy man. He's, he's not coming back. He's not coming back to be anybody's uh, running backs coach. He's being coming back to climb that 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 all-time rushing record. You know that that all-time rushing list. And real so, real quick, he's what a thousand something yards away from Barry Sanders. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how crazy. <laughs> oh, you man. know. Look, I mean, I, I, you know, to, to that point, I think Lions fans are kind of over the, the all-time rushing record in terms of uh, it being necessary to an argument for Barry being one of, if not the greatest running back of all time. So um, that might not hurt them that much anyways. He didn't have the record anyways, you know. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't know if uh, – it might be a good thing that there would be no fans this year because if he were to break that record this year – um, I don't know that he would be getting a standing ovation from Lions fans. So um, the guy that, that tore them up all those years and then can't come, came to, to break their most beloved player's record, um, you know. Uh, so, yeah, look, I, I, again, it's kind of a low-risk signing. He, he was really solid the last few years uh, for, for the Washington football team on, on, on very unimportant situations for them. Um, but but he can still give you some solid four-yard rushes. He can still give you some goal-line carries. He can still be your kind of workhorse back in a defensive battle, right? So um, it, it doesn't hurt. I, I don't know if my personal win projection changed by a game because they signed Adrian Peterson, but I'm certainly happy to have them aboard. Um, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how the running back thing shakes out over the first few weeks. But I think by week six, seven, um, they're going to use all those guys, and if Carryon Johnson can be healthy, um, again, the good thing is they might only need him for a few game stretches at a time this year, right? So if, if they can get um, eight good games out of Carryon Johnson, maybe some of those games come when when Swift's a little hurt, when AP's a little hurt, uh, or when those guys are just not having their best games, and then you have a little less pressure on everybody to be healthy all the time, which is just not that realistic nowadays to keep running backs healthy throughout a whole season and, and playing hot through a whole season. So I think by, by the middle of the season, by week seven, eight, this is going to be DeAndre Swift's uh, job, and the other guys are going to be more true backups to him, other than, other than maybe getting the bulk of some goal line situations might go to uh, AP and carry on if and when healthy. Yeah, mix and matching more prevalent in the NFL more than ever. And I think you guys have a nice collection. And I'll be honest with you, I do like DeAndre Swift. And 
and I think that he could definitely be perhaps one of, you know, maybe the future running back at the Detroit Lions. I don't know. I mean, buddy, I'll be honest with you. Not a lot of audiences know this. So I just want to tell you that I'm your friend, but I'm about to hurt you a little bit because people don't really understand how hard it has been for Detroit Lions fans, members of the organization to find a running back of the future since Barry Sanders. Now, as a Bears fan, you know, sweetness is near and dear to my heart, but I'll be honest with you, I did not get a chance to watch sweetness on the regular game to game. So with that being said, Barry Sanders is the greatest running back I've ever watched in a game in my life. I mean, he was an absolute wizard out there. I felt like that he was untackleable. You know, you're talking about AP getting four yards. He averaged 4.2 last season. You know, Barry Sanders was doing five, five and a half, you know, year in and year out. And since he retired in 1998, 22 seasons ago, the Detroit Lions have had four seasons of 1,000-yard rushers. And the first one, well, first of all, there hadn't been any since 2004 until Reggie Bush, the infamous yeah, Reggie say. Bush in 2013 ran for 1,000 yards. And then before he that – He had a great was, year with them, yeah. Yeah, James Jimmy Stewart, 2000 and 2002 – Kevin Jones, who could forget Jimmy Stewart? Great actor, better runner. Um, (laughs) Kevin Jones, uh, (laughs) the cousin of Kevin James, uh, 2004, and Reggie Bush in 2013. The highest total in that span is 1,184 yards. You know, that is – They never got 1,000 yards out of of Kevin Smith, Silent Bob in there? No, no, and not Mikel LaShore either, so you can put that to sleep. Uh, Silent Bob didn't crack it, huh? But it really is It really is incredible. You know, since 98, since that Barry Sanders era, you know, it has been few and far in between. And for the Lions franchise in general, if you take out the Barry Sanders rushing year, since 1950, they have only had eight seasons of 1,000-yard rushers or more. Eight. Now, you know, go look at the last 20 years. You know, the Steelers have had 11, Bears have had 12, Chiefs have had 13, 14. I mean, that is just something that, I mean, is, is it a curse or just help us explain what the hell is going on in Detroit where you guys just can't seem to find that running back to replace Barry? Yeah, I mean, it's tricky because I feel like, you know, the, the outsiders, the non-Lion fans focus a lot on that and the, like, Stafford never beating a team with a winning record on a road thing. Oh, we have that so thing. many. We have so many bad things to focus on. Those are just kind of like pages in the book, you know? I mean, <laughs> it, it, look, if, if the Lions get back in the playoffs and win a playoff game, I could give a damn if they have a 1,000-yard rusher, you know? So, <laughs> it, look, I, I don't know if this is going to be the year. I would say no because I just think that, that – um, Swift, especially in his rookie year, is if even if he does pop off, might be more of like an 800, 500 kind of guy, and 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 that that's being optimistic. But I mean, you know, a balanced guy. Look at like a Christian McCaffrey's rookie year when he wasn't rushing for a thousand yards yet. Um, you know, so and you know, given the they have a few other running backs, depending on how healthy those other guys are, how they're going to ease him in, and and, he, and look. Um, I, I can I can tell you that this is almost a guarantee right now that the Lions fans are going to be frustratedly yelling at their TVs that the first two downs are going to be used for two or three yard carries from Adrian Peterson and carry on Johnson. And they're going to be in third and eights, third and twelves all season long with Dick, with uh, Bevel's very predictably called offense. So um, regardless of how good Swift is, um, the, 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 the old school Matt Patricia 
uh, bevel mentality seems to be kind of like a, a 1990s Big Ten football, run it up the middle on first and, and, and second down, run into a wall, and ask Stafford to make a play on third and nine. That's, uh, that's, that's how we do things in Detroit, and that's how it probably will continue. I hope not, but, but that's how it's going to go. So um, lack of creativity will also make it harder for this offense to really get going. But to really get Swift going, it's going to be a balance, uh, you know, on the ground and in the air. Uh, Stafford hasn't thrown to all of his running backs a lot, but when he had Reggie Bush and he's had Joyke Bell and running backs that were decent receivers, he likes to throw to them. Um, that just hasn't always been the case, you know, with, with the talent they've had. So to, to, the, to the bizarre, you know, lack of 1,000-yard rushers, I mean, I could just list a, a, a whole list of, of reasons of, of things the Lions are terrible at. Uh, drafting running backs is one of them. Putting offensive lines together is another. Uh, finding decent offensive coordinators to come up with good offensive schemes is another. Um, you know, we can you just go broke on the on. Yeah, the Lions' first-round receivers. You finally broke that curse. That, that one was put to bed now. And now we've moved over to the running back. And you're bringing up a really good point about Swift, too, as well, where, you know, the NFL is a little bit different, where he doesn't have to run, rush for 1,000 yards to be effective. You know, he can get those 1,500 all-purpose yards anyway, and it doesn't really matter, right, because yards are yards. And, you know, putting Stafford in those third and nine situations like you brought up, you know, TJ Hawkinson, fantasy darling week one. God, on top of the world, champagne room. Come right in, Mr. Hawkinson. Your table is ready. Uh, I believe it was six catches for 131 yards and one touchdown week one. The rest of the season, 11 games, 26 receptions for 236 yards, only one score after that. You know, what the hell happened? A rookie, you know, going through growing pains, something different. I mean, you got to be expecting more out of him this season. Yeah, he had a few injuries, a few uh, fumbles and drops and things like that that might have put him in the doghouse. Um, yeah, I was certainly hoping – that they used him more. I, I just, again, I, I don't know if they utilized him enough. I, I think they had, they seemed like they weren't patient enough with their rookie. I, I did. I was at that game week one. I traveled out to, to Arizona um, to see, to witness that glorious tie. And um, I, I, and, and look, Lions fans would take a tie every, every time. I mean, we'd be 0 and 16 every year if we could, and we'd be happy with that. So, so, um, time so we were man thrilled. of the year, times man of the year, <laughs> Matt Patricia. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, yeah, the, the tyingest coach in NFL history is what he's going for. So, um, look, I, I, I didn't seem like they utilized him enough. And, again, lack of creativity in play calling. I felt like uh, Daryl Bevel was a lot more creative in Seattle, and part of that might have just been the system and the culture and the fact that you have Russell Wilson as a guy you can be very creative with and kind of need to be creative with because it's a different type of team. He didn't necessarily have – the receivers that the Lions have and, you know, the gunslinger that Stafford is, but at the same time, um, you know, much more creativity in the play calling. I mean, you know, NFL teams are too smart nowadays to just run down the middle and first and second down and, and ask your quarterback to make great throws every third down. So again, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping they get to the creativity. I do think Bevel has it in, in, in his repertoire. I just hope that he can pull it out this year. And, and, and I wonder if that kind of, um, Matt Patricia, overly old school, tough guy mentality. It was a little too punishing on a rookie like TJ Hawkinson, who had a key fumble in one game, a key drop pass in another game to where you're a little too obsessed with sending a message rather than letting your, your rookie uh, keep going to him and, and, and let him make plays. You know, I don't, when he was drawing the, the kind of the grot comparisons when he got drafted, I never bought that. He's not that kind of monster freak athlete. 
Um, look, that no one was comparing him to Gronkowski before Gronkowski surprisingly retired. So that might have just been a lot of NFL writers who were hungry for the next Gronk. So they turned TJ Hawkinson into him. If anything, I see him the auto as kind of their computer. The autocorrect in their computer just goes to Gronk when they when they type that in. Yeah, if anything, I see him as um, the next Jason Witten, you know, maybe a little more athletic, not quite as much of a mastermind, obviously, as Jason Witten was towards the end of his career. But um, if he can get there football mind-wise, then he can be a, a, a little a more athletic version of Jason Witten, you know. So that, that to me, that would be a better comparison than Gronk. He was never the, the un, unstoppable monster that Gronk is, but, you know, very sharp, maybe a more natural tight end coming out of college, sharper route runner. Um, he doesn't really have any holes in his game. There aren't a lot of tight ends nowadays that come into the league. You expect to be good blockers and good pass catchers. So, you know, um, that, that's, that's one thing I liked about him. When they picked him, it was a little bit high to take a tight end, but at the same time, there wasn't much else there. So for all the bashing I do to Patricia and Quinn, I wasn't terribly angry about that pick. And, and I do think he can be, you know, um, one of the better t- tight ends, certainly can be a Pro Bowl caliber tight end if they can find ways to get him more involved and he can find ways to play more consistently as well. I was going to compare him to Heath Miller. Uh, you know, one of those type of, well, one of those type of guys where, you know, he's got the size, he's got smart, he's got soft hands, smart, smart football player. And it's one of those things where like, it's one of those drives and the lions are driving the field and you finally got him at a third and seven. And you're like, man, if we can stop him here at midfield, we can just get the ball back. We're okay. And then out of nowhere, Hawkinson just catches a pass and you're just like, damn it. You know, where did that come from? You know, maybe not the number one option, but a dude that can just, you know, chip in, be complimentary, you know, make yeah. a few catches. You know, I don't think you're going to want to have another season where you only have, what, I think 32 catches in a season. I think you maybe want to get him in that 40 to 50 area. A little bit over 50 would be nice, maybe 600 yards-ish. And catch yeah, we're hoping for at least that, I think, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start looking at this season moving forward. We're going to get into Bears versus Lions and the matchups that we like and don't like about that game. But let's just start with our division, the NFC North. I think one of the hardest divisions to probably handicap at this time right now. You know, every division, I think, has kind of maybe a clear-cut favorite or slash favorites in each one. You know, I'm sort of looking at the AFC East as another division, too, where you're like, man, I don't really know who's going to come out on top of that one. The NFC North is a little similar. You know, the Packers won it last year, but they did it winning ugly. Didn't really improve their team. You know, the Vikings lost some guys on defense. I think the Bears and Lions. Let's just ask you as a Lions fan, who in the division probably scares you the most? And it can just be from a Lions perspective if you want to. Maybe it's a matchup with the team that you just kind of don't like. But who in the division scares you most? And it's okay if it's not us. Yeah, I mean – I fully agree with you on this being kind of a wide open division, which does play well for uh, Lions and Bears fans that we're really just hoping for a chance. Um, So, you know, look, I'm normally, we're always scared of Aaron Rodgers. We're always scared of the Packers, right? That doesn't go away. I know he didn't have his personal best year last year, but I think that was kind of by design. Um, um, We are going to get an angry Aaron Rodgers this year when they drafted the quarterback in the first round. It it seemed to me like this was finally the year that the Packers were going to say, we're going to go all in on trying to win around around Rodgers for one, at least one more year before we start thinking about the future. And and, um, I feel for Aaron Rodgers because I feel like his whole career, he's been the guy who you basically, it's kind of like LeBron in his first run with the Cavs, right? We're just kind of, we're going to surround you with mediocre talent and hope that, 
that that you just kind of go out there and make magic happen, right? Are and, you saying and, Aaron Rodgers is throwing to Mo Williams? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Devontae Adams might be a little bit better than Mo Williams, but um, but but you know, but at the same time, as a, as a, as a whole, last year the team did definitely overachieve. They they won on a lot of defense when I don't know that their defense is really that great and should be expected to be that great again. You know, defenses in the NFL don't always repeat year to year, right? I mean, the Bears were good last year, but not nearly as dominant as the pri- previous year, right? So um, you, you, you defenses in the NFL, to have a really dominant defense that wins games for you isn't always something you can count on repeating itself the next year. It's just the patterns of the league. And and, and I'm not convinced that the Packers have that kind of team. They, they just, you know, um, it, they, they, it seems like a lot of teams didn't bring their best game against the Packers. Um, they beat the Lions, I think it was week three, on some very questionable calls. We're still bitter about that. Um, but, uh, but, but look, I mean, that, that's, that, this is a team that, that um, would have a lot of trouble repeating when they just kind of went all in on the future with their draft, not just with, um, with taking Jordan Love and taking a quarterback with their first pick. Uh, and I believe they didn't have a second-round pick, right? And then they'd spend their third-round pick on a running back, which is kind of their deepest position. So um, to, that was probably a future move, thinking that they're going to let Aaron Jones walk in another year, I would think, or trade him, you know. So um, they, they're thinking about the future more than they're thinking about winning with Aaron Rodgers this year. And I think that they still think they can be a really good team. You can think back to that last year with Alex Smith on the Chiefs. Aaron Rodgers is really going to have a chip on his shoulder. And I know that's kind of sports radio fodder, but I do think to a guy like him, that does mean something. Um, but I'm still going to pivot there this year because, again, 13-3 and three isn't really attainable, again, for that roster to me. You know, again, you've had a lot of um, Packers teams go 10-6, and six, and they're still scary in the playoffs because they have Rodgers. I think that's more realistic this year. Um, you know, I know a lot of people have Kirk Cousins fatigue, but if I had to pick a team right now, I'm going to go with the Vikings. I just think they have the best top-to-bottom roster. Really, the Lions might, but they're the Lions, so I don't think that ends well. Um, so other than the Lions, I think the Vikings have the best top-to-bottom roster. I don't think Cousins has to be great, and I don't think he's necessarily been as bad as the media likes to beat up on him and act like he has. Um, the offense isn't going to take another step, but, you know, the defense lost some things, gained some things. Um, the, the Ngakwe signing, I think, could be really big for them, and I still think that's an above-average defense. I don't know that there's a great team in this division, right? I think that there's – uh, two teams that you should expect to be really good and, and, and real solid playoff caliber teams. And then I think the Lions and Bears are just hoping. So, um, you know, anybody's got a chance, and, and the Bears and Lions certainly have a chance to try to steal the division this year. I think it would be a good year to do it. But the Vikings always give the Lions problems. They, the Lions rarely beat that team. And um, I don't see that going differently this year. Uh, I'd give the slight edge to to the Vikings, but I think this is going to be like a 10 and six, 11 and five division winner this year. I'm right there with you. There's a lot of, you know, flaws and warts on each team, you know, going across the board. The lions are still a little bit in a prove it to me mode, but would not shock me if they're all of a sudden, you know, they, they put it together and they start having a really competitive season. The Vikings, like you mentioned, and thank you so much for Ngakwe. Did I say it right? <laughs> Cause I was not going to even attempt to say it correctly, but you know, that's a huge yeah. addition from the Jaguars. Yeah, you yeah. did it correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, let me quick, quick side note on Ngakwe. Um, we, we, at NFL Network, I guess now that I'm not there, I can tell these sorts of stories. Um, Charlie Casserly, uh, who you might know as the bumbly old former GM who does segments, uh, very animated segments on NFL Network, we had to pre-tape his segments because he didn't always get the names right. 
Yes. So um, he would go through he would go through the names and fumble on the names a lot. And for some reason, he always put himself in a position to talk about Yannick Ngakwe, which was a tough one for him. So <laughs> he, we would pre-tape the segments. He would mess up Ngakwe's name, and then we would just have him look into the camera and say Ngakwe, and we would we would edit it in the audio in under B-roll. So he would just stare at the camera and say Ngakwe, Ngakwe, Ngakwe until he got it right. So, you know, that's, um, your, that's your ringtone on your phone. And who are we in life? Unless <laughs> we are, who are we in life? Unless we are challenging ourselves. Um, yeah. It's for, it's for when Casserly calls me. I know when the Ngakwe's come, it's Casserly ringing me up. <laughs> Honey, is that a, is that a Raven? Is that a Raven on that part? No, that's my ringtone. And uh, it's Charlie Casserly. And I'm with you. I'm with you with the Vikings. You know, they still have a really interesting blend of balance throughout their team. Lost tons of guys on defense, but, all the reports coming out of training camp is it doesn't seem like they're going to miss that big of a step and that Zimmer system is going to be able to transfer to some of these replacements and new guys. And you're right. Kirk Cousins doesn't scare me at all. And yet at the same time, you know, they have Thielen, you know, Delvin Cook can take over a game whenever he wants to, you know, they still have that continuity in place. And my thing with the Packers is, man, they won ugly last year. It did not make any sense at all. I'm with you hundred percent, 13 and three. I maybe still give them the slightest, the sliver, slightest edge in the division, but I'm with you. It's probably going to be a 10-win season or 11-win season if they're lucky, just because what exactly do the Packers do really well? For years, the very least you can hang your hat on, well, Aaron Rodgers is elite. And there were at times where they were winning football games last year, and Aaron Rodgers was not elite, where he was averaging, I think, for a six- or seven-game stretch, about 205 yards passing per game, and they were totally fine with that. I get that and all, but moving forward into this season, you know, I don't, I just don't think people, I think people are overestimating what they're going to get from Aaron Rodgers this year. And they're going to be trusting a lot more on these game situations that, as you maybe mentioned in week three versus the Lions, a lot of game situations, the ball, let's just say bounced their way a couple of times, you know, more often than not, I still think Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are elite offensive pieces. So if one isn't going off in the game, the other person can go off in the game. The stuff that I'm really having a hard time with and why I think this division is most 50-50 is when we play each other, when Bears play Lions, you know, when Vikings play Lions, when Packers play Vikings, when Vikings play Bears, you know, all of these matchups right now, I can't honestly say who has a definitive advantage going into those matchups where I think there's a situation where, you know, even if someone wins the division, they're not going to run the table in the division. I don't think there's going to be any 6-0s and O's going on in our division this year. It's probably going to look a lot more like four and two, maybe three and three. And that's why I think everything's going to really bunch itself up and it should be really fun to watch. I mean, it's just going to have to come down to whoever comes out of the gate with more continuity. Maybe I can ask you this question. Cause I've been asking a bunch of buddies this over the day, you know, usually when a season starts, the defense is always ahead of the offense. Do you think that that old cliche holds true this year? You know, because there are no preseason games. We're going through things that are very unprecedented right now. Do you think that the defense could still be ahead of the offense? Do you think the offense could be in front of the defense? Or does it maybe more come down to, you know, who's just coming out of the gate running the tightest ship? You know, where does the continuity maybe is key this season? What do you think? Yeah, it's going to be very unpredictable. And I think that, you know, all the uh, – it's all kind of what they're doing in-house, right? We haven't had preseason games. And I know those might not be that important. It'll be interesting to see how important they are. Um, I, I think the advantage – does go to more experienced coaching staffs that can find ways to simulate those things better. 
and, and get their players to feel like they're simulating what a game looks like. Um, and, and, and we'll see who's doing that. I, I, think, I think it's going to kind of go one way or the other, right? I think we're going to have um, some really sloppy defensive games in the first week, but then we also might have some big offensive blowouts, So, which we kind of saw a little bit of last year, right? We had the, the Packers-Bears 10-7 game cut out the gate, wasn't it 10-7? 10-3, and, and worse. And then, and then we had the Patriots come just blow out the Steelers, you know, with, with an offensive showcase. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's pretty unpredictable week one, right? And, and um, look, in sports in general, we're, 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 we, we, we constantly need reminders to not overreact to every game, every week. Week one of the NFL is always a reminder, you know, to not do that. And, and I mean, look at what I just said, the, the, the Patriots offense certainly wasn't what was carrying them at the end of the season. Right. So, um, and, and look at, look at, look at how much people overreact to every game. One of the NBA playoffs. It's a, we will never learn our, our lesson as sports fans to not overreact to each moment in each game. And, and again, a game one of an NBA playoff series or, or week one of the NFL season are the two biggest examples of that, I think. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be unpredictable in both directions. Sorry to not give you a clear answer there, but I think we're going to have a little bit of both. We're going to have a few teams that blow people out offensively that aren't ready, and, and then we're going to have a few teams. And, and look, the, um, the Patriots have a little bit of a history of coming out fast. I don't know what that's going to be with, with, with like a Cam Newton this year, but yeah, we're going to have a few blowouts and we're going to have a few sloppy. 10-7, 13-7 type games in week one. And I don't think that's going to be totally indicative of what any of those teams are going to look like by week 8, 9, 10. And look, I don't blame you. I mean, we're making predictions because we have to, but I, I just feel personally that I have the least firm grip on a season um, than I've had in, in several past years. And I can't tell if that has something to do with the fact that maybe I'm just happy that sports are coming back in general. My fingers crossed that we get through a season healthy and safe without interruption that's always on the back burner that's going to be in the back of the mind that always just sort of plays into it and it just it just doesn't feel the same so it's fine to kind of be you know maybe it is a little bit more of a toss-up this year you know everyone thinks the Buccaneers are going to be awesome you know I think the Buccaneers might be awesome in September but let's talk talk to me back in the first week of December and let's see what that team looks like and my favorite yeah. part is on PTI on ESPN's PTI they always run the segment of who's the best two and O football team. You know, there's always one team randomly, like it's like the Raiders or something or the Jaguars right. two and out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's like, Hey, can they hang on? Can they make it happen? Of course they can't, but they're two and O for right now. And we're celebrating that moment and that's okay. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, you know how it works in Chicago. You guys go two and O you're getting 85 bears comparisons. Oh, forward, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it takes two wins in Chicago for 85 bears comparisons. It's, oh buddy. <laughs> Let's dive into that matchup. I know you're terrified because you got two quarterbacks coming to town. Uh, only true. one of we, them can play. We only have one, so you guys have the advantage there. <laughs> advantage bears, advantage bears right there. Um, you know, let's talk about this game. And I want to hear, uh, you know, I want to hear about the matchups and the keys to what you think could be a Lions uh, successful week one win for yourself. But let's just start, um, you know, from your perspective, a lot of Bears fans listening to this podcast right now as a Lions fan, you know, what is just the one thing about, you know, when you play the Bears, what probably worries you the most about that matchup when the Lions play the Bears? Well, what worries me most um, I mean, the, the, the first answer is just always the Lions shooting themselves in the foot. But beyond that, 
what worries me the most is, uh, and again, this isn't uh, anything too creative, but it's Khalil Mack. They, they, the last two, two, two games last year against the Bears, the Lions held Khalil Mack without a sack or a forced fumble. I think that's more coincidence than a factor of Taylor Decker being so great. So I, I, I don't, I, you know, I could use that as a reason to think that they blocked him very well. Um, I, I'm more so the, the, um, the pessimistic Lions fans within me just thinks that he's due. So um, to hold him sackless and stripless in a third game is very unlikely to me. So I'm worried about the Khalil Mack big play. A sack we can take, but that strip sack when the Lions are up three in the fourth quarter, you know, getting ready to ice the game um, on their own 40-yard line, that strip sack that goes the other way, um, it's giving up that, that big turnover and that big play or him uh, forcing an interception. Um, you know, he's the big playmaker on the Bears' defense right now. There's no doubt about that. They have other good players, but he's the guy that can flip a game in one play. And, and, and um, you know, I, I do feel like the Lions this year should have a more talented top-to-bottom team than the Bears, but the Bears are always, you know, look, when, when you expect them to be good, they're, they're, they're bad, like last year, and when you expect them to be bad, they're good, like the year before. So, um, you know, yeah. you just, it's, hard, it's hard to get a grasp on this team. So, um, and, 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 and the NFC North is a weird division, man. It, it just, you know, those division games um, – when, when, as a Lions fan, when I come in feeling like I have the advantage, I'm often wrong. And when I come in feeling like I have the disadvantage, I'm, I'm still wrong. So, you know, um, the, the, it's, it's a tough matchup to predict. And I'm always a little worried about the Bears and the Vikings, let alone the Packers. Um, I think the Lions can win this game if they win the turnover battle. So that's where I, I, I'm worried about the big Khalil Mack strip sack. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, we're sharing some of the same worries and sentiments where I think a lot of the issues with the Bears last year was, you know, we, we're not the most talented team in the division, but what we did so great in 2018 was that, you know, we were just really smart with our in-game decisions. I know that sounds kind of simple, but it's true. Where you're talking about turnovers, you know, we're talking about the sort of the same thing of just making, you know, the right choices or just extending a drive just long enough to give the defense an extra blow for a couple minutes. And, and a lot of that stuff goes a really long way. There's two things that really worry me about this game right now from a Bears perspective. And let's just start with the first one, which is a more general one. We brought it up earlier is that, you know, I just think Galladay and Marvin Jones have the size and physicality to just give us absolute fits on the outside. And I think it's just a total mismatch. We haven't been able to guard Kenny Galladay really at all since he joined the league. And now that Matt Stafford's back, he could be in for a huge game. And, you know, I just don't really know. It's not the whole, like, you can't stop them. You only hope to contain them situation. I, I really kind of look at it sort of like that. So their physical size with their offensive weapons from a Lions perspective, you know, that really scares me as a Bears fan. The other one, too, that really worries me is obviously the game is in Detroit. Matt Stafford is back on the field. One of our biggest problems last year, and Trubisky is our starter, and that sort of is what it is, and I'm, I'm rooting for him. I really want him to be successful because I want my team to be successful. But my biggest fear is that we come out and we stall on our first couple of drives offensively and just the momentum, and we're talking division, NFC North here. So momentum actually does mean something. And momentum picks up, and our first couple of drives stall and you guys come back, and it's not like you go tit for tat with us. You just hit us right in the face, you know, score a touchdown right on that first drive. We get the ball back. Another, another drive stalls. Maybe you guys come back, kick a field goal. All of a sudden, it's 10 nothing. Trubisky's 
already had a couple of bad drives and you guys are just rolling on offense with your momentum going. And that's just going to make it really, you know, that's going to make it for tough sledding. And then we're going to be banking on those turnovers, hoping to God that we get one just to maybe give us a chance to get back in the game. You know, those are, I know that sounds a little self-inflicted, but I do know also that, you know, we have to be able to put up a competent offense against you guys because, you know, Stafford eventually, you know, on third down, I mean, he's just a really smart quarterback. He just knows what to do with the football. And I know that sounds crazy, but I can't really say that for every single quarterback in the league. I really think there's only maybe 14, 15 guys that with the football in their hands, they know where to go with it. And they're smart enough in any game situation to figure something out. Stafford is one of those guys. So we need to continue to bring our offense because you guys are going to be threatening, trying to score. I know we got a great defense, but man, you know, you guys can put up an explosive play just as good as any other team in the league. And that type of thing scares me is the Bears getting down early enough in the game. You guys getting the momentum. Stafford's running down the field and jumping into the arms of a TJ Hawkinson on a touchdown. And we just get down early and we're not able to really come back. On the flip side, I do want to ask you, what are the keys to a Lions victory for you? You know, what do you want to see week one? Um, you know, maybe not just because it's the matchup against the Bears. Maybe it's something that you've been thinking about all offseason. You know, what are three things that you would love to see from your Lions team in week one that you think could portend to overall success for the season? Yeah, I, number one, without a doubt, is getting after the quarterback. You know, uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, Lions, um, you know, 30th in sacks last year, 32nd in pass defense. And, and I think even though the secondary needed improvement, I think that was more due to the lack of pressure than it was to poor secondary play. Um, you know, if they can't cause problems for Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles or whoever the hell's in there for the Bears, then it's going to be a long season and it's going to be looking bad for this revamped Patricia defense. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for at least three sacks and just a lot of pressure on the quarterback. That's, that's number one. Um, number two, and I think there's kind of, this one's a two-parter. Um, it's just, it, they both go with more creative play calling. You know, they need to get the, they go, get the ball running, but that's not, that's to not just, as I said earlier, run, run up to the middle and run into a wall on first and second down, find more creative plays to get the, get, get running the ball, take some shots on first down, do some more unpredictable things, get some screen action going, get some more creative ways to get the ball into all of their weapons hands, get those guys hot and confident. Um, and, uh, and, and then you can mix in the, the big hits with the running game because this team should be a pass-first team no matter what kind of tough guy beard attitude Matt Patricia wants to bring to the team. They should be a pass-first team, and then they got to start running at you when, when you've established the pass threat to me, not the other way around. Let, let Stafford win games for you and let the, running back, let, the, let the running game facilitate Stafford and those great receivers he has. Um, and, then, and then, you know, finishing drives with touchdowns, you know, a lot of – a lot of drives that the Lions had last year ended in um, field goals or even turnovers um, or, you know, sacks and penalties that brought them out of field goal range after a few first downs when they were looking really good. So, um, you know, just the, the amount of, of drives last season, especially even when Stafford was still in there, um, that, that, you know, the Lions looked good for uh, a few sets of downs and then kind of folded. Um, and I think those those two points, though, the, the lack of ability to consistently run the ball um, that obviously should be helped by their running backs in general this year. And, and in theory, the fact that they changed up the right side of the O-line and it should be improved, um, you know, uh, but those things and, and finishing the drives, those things both go with 
uh, less predictable, more creative play call. So, uh, you know, those are the two biggest things in general this year, and especially this game, because I think if we don't see them in this game, um, then they're in a lot of trouble, especially if they can't cause problems to the opposing quarterback in this game. It's going to be a really ugly season. Yeah, my keys aren't that far off for the Bears to win this game too as well. The stuff that I'm really looking for is, and I'm just telling you right now, just keep your eye on the screen for the very first drive from Trubisky and the efficiency and, you know, how smooth it looks out there. You know, if it looks a little clunky and a little sloppy, I'll be honest with you, that first drive is perhaps one of the most important drives Mitch Trubisky is going to have in his career, and I can't really be overstate that or have hyperbole about it where he really needs to get off to a good start. And I think in tandem with that is, on our side, running game. You know, Dave Montgomery, you don't, we don't know if he's going to play week one. So now we're looking at Tariq Cohen, Cordero Patterson, and Ryan Nall. I mean, you, you know, you're talking about AP right now. I mean, our situation is a little bereft right now of – guys that we can really count on, especially with Cordero Patterson, and to put the onus on Trubisky of can we establish the running game with those guys? If we can't, is it going to be really on his right arm right off the bat? That stuff scares me. So if he can come out, I'm not even saying if he scores a touchdown or field goal. Like, he comes out and at least gets a couple first downs. Yeah. The ball away. Okay, cool. Something to build on. Just don't come out with a clunker on that first drive. You've been working all training camp. The first 15, as everyone talks about, come out and make that look like a professionally run unit. My other key to the game for me defensively is on third down, which was a huge problem for us last year. We have a great defense, talented defense. We can get to the quarterback. We got all pros, pro bowlers all over the field. But if we can't get the Lions off the field on third down, we're going to have a huge problem. Two things. One, worried about the offense. So, extended drives are already going to be taxing the defensive players more than we would like to. You know what else taxes the defensive players is when the offense goes three and out over and over again. We can't be stacking that up. So by the third, fourth quarter, our defense is gassed. We do have to play smart on third down. And against what I was alluding to before, Stafford has the ability and the talent to make throws and plays on third down, maybe when he shouldn't. So we have to be extra, extra careful to shore that up and at least keep the juice up on the defensive side of the ball. So if the offense isn't working out right off the bat, they can at least have the gas later on to maybe help us pull out a victory of some kind. And then my final one is I'm excited to see Jimmy Graham. <laughs> I am, dude. And I'll be honest with you, reading a lot of stuff out of training camp, he's healthy right now. They're building him up. They're saying that he's looked like one of the best players in camp so far. I don't know if that is a backhanded compliment to our offensive weapons <laughs> or if that's a compliment to Jimmy Graham. But here's what I'll say about Jimmy Graham. I don't know over a 16-game schedule whether he will be able to be the Jimmy Graham of old. But I do think Jimmy Graham in early September could be a weapon for a team right now. And I'm interested to see. Now, I'm not looking for six-yard button hooks catch the ball and fall down I'm looking for maybe can we get Jimmy Graham on the run using his size to catch passes down seam routes for some first downs I'm not highly optimistic but early on in the season I feel like I can be a little bit more optimistic about Jimmy Graham I'm looking to see him perhaps have a huge impact in the game yeah I got to admit he was not in my game notes I forgot he was there um I just looked you were flipping you were flipping through pages and pages of game notes and you couldn't find him I was just looking up his Wikipedia page to remind me who he was. But oh, <laughs> you're going to have to no, put look, some respect on his fucking name. <laughs> no, you're right. Hey, hey, he, he could be he, – he, and he's a guy who can bail out a quarterback who's kind of struggling to find his identity, a big target tight end for that. He doesn't need to be great for them. 
Um, more so from a Lions perspective, uh, you know, the hope for me, and obviously not for you, I imagine, is that uh, Jimmy Graham comes in, or I'm sorry, that Mitch Trubisky comes into this game um, trying a little too hard to prove himself after kind of being benched in the offseason and, you know, given the job back and a quarterback that was brought in to kind of battle him for the position. Um, you know, his attitude obviously should be to just kind of try to manage the game and take what comes to him and not make mistakes and let the defense keep him in it. But is he going to try too hard to prove that he's worthy of a number two overall pick in the draft? Or is he just going to come out and try to, you know, do what he should do for this team this year? Um, You know, if, if he's, if he gets happy feet, if he's trying too hard to run around and make amazing plays, chuck the ball down the field, I, I don't think that's going to go well for him. And he's the kind of guy that if you get in his head early, hit him a few times, sack him, make him, make him force a turnover, a few bad plays, and it could be doomed for him for the rest of the, to the game. So, you know, um, what you said I think was exactly right about Trubisky of, yeah, wanting to see him make a few plays and look like a reasonable quarterback early, but not even needing to score on the first drive, right? Just not, not a, a, abysmal three and outs and, and, and not, chucking the ball down into triple coverage and not, um, you know, running around sporadically with nowhere to go. You, you, you want him making some poised decisions, taking what comes to him, and then making plays with his feet when they open up and taking shots downfield when they open up. Um, you know, not trying too hard to prove that he's something that he probably just isn't, um, you know, right out the gate in week one. Just run a professional outfit. Baby steps. It's baby steps here in Chicago, Gunner. That's really all we want. And it'll be really fun to see. I think this is going to do it, Gunnar. Thank you so much for joining us on the pod. Before we go, though, give me a final score. Week one, Bears versus Lions. What do you got? Um, I think it's going to be a tough one. Defensive battle, a little bit ugly on both sides at times with a few plays made. I just think the Lions are going to make a couple more plays on offense. I'm going uh, 23 to 17, ball in Trubisky's hands. Um, late and and me being nervous, even though that he's Mitch Trubisky, but but you know a a, a, a turnover on downs late around the fifty yard line, Lions win. <laughs> uh, hi McDonald's, I'd like to order uh, four hundred dollars worth of food if that happens. Uh, yeah, I'm I got Bears twenty one, Lions seventeen. We're not that far away. Sounds like we might have you know a little bit of a, a choppy offensive game, perhaps at times. I'm with you on, on the turnovers. You know, I think a turnover for either team could be huge. And it'll just be kind of fun to see the guys out there. You know, you got, you got an Akuda number three pick out there. You get a chance to see him in a Lions uniform for the same time. Matt Stafford's back on the field for the Bears. You know, we got Robert Quinn on the opposite side of Khalil Mack. Let's see what that looks like. You know, Trubisky's last chance. You know, is he writing a check or is he writing his epitaph? We're going to find out. And uh, it should be good, man. And Bears-Lions week one, it's a little weird. It's a little early in the season, but I'll take it, man. And if it's an opportunity to talk to you, my friend, uh, I'm all on board. Thanks, brother. It's been great. This was Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. My guest today was uh, Spectrum Sports Nets, very own and Lions expert, Gunnar Ludwig. Make sure you check out all his wonderful work going on. And trust me, he's going to be coming back this season to talk some NFC North and Lions football, too, as well. Today's episode was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Thank you so much for listening to the pod, you guys. we got tons of great more stuff coming up this week as we preview Bears versus Lions week one. Maybe get a little, a little baseball. Maybe get a little, a little NBA, too, this week as well. So make sure you come back and check that out. Until then, be good, be safe, be good to each other, and we will talk then. Thank you
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.